Welcome to another episode of the Wire to Wire podcast. As always, it's me, your host Yusuf. For this episode, I'm joined by entrepreneur, marketing expert, and founder of Garuda Promo, Swire Ho. He shares his expertise on how to start a business and the different elements of marketing it. Now, this is a real informative and educational episode that I think you guys will enjoy and find value in. So without further ado, let's just get right to it. All right, so I'm joined by Swire. Uh, welcome to the Wire to Wire podcast. It's great having you on. Excited to be here, Yusuf. Yeah, so if you want to just uh, tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your story. Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Swire Ho. Uh, the name of my company is Garuda Promo and Branding Solution. What I do is I help my customer grow sales, retain employees, and thank their customer with custom branded product. Started my entrepreneurial journey in 2003. Uh, it's 2022 now, so it's been, it's been a little bit. Like you mentioned, you are the founder of uh, Garuda Promo. Um, so if you want to talk a little bit about the company, how it operates, and, and tell the audience about that. Thank you. What we do recently, we with the change of the pandemic, a lot of our clients normally purchase from us when they wanted to go to trade shows and events. Uh, so as you know, uh, a lot of them are, are canceling or postponed right now. So what we have found and been helping them is, you know, when they have a event, uh, for example, with they have a one together, everyone, actually we've been helping them send out virtual packages. So instead of all the uh, recipient, all the attendees to just hop on Zoom. We actually send out a custom box, so all the recipient will receive all the material. So when the speaker uh, are you know running the event, they actually open the package together with all the material that was presented to them. So we actually are following the trend and listening to our customer and changing the way that uh, we operate our business. Yeah, so that's interesting. So when you think about like your company and how you are operating like pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, right? Like what were the challenges in pivoting and how would you say that you're able to overcome them? Well, I'm a big networker. I, I attend a lot of Chamber of Commerce meeting. Uh, I'm an ambassador for two different Chamber of Commerce. So before the pandemic, I go to at least two networking events per week. So I am, I'm an in-person uh, type, of, type of guy. So with the pandemic, we are forced to do a virtual meeting. At first, I was struggling, right? Because I, I like the firm handshake, you know, I like seeing people face to face. But then, you know, when we get in a couple of months, I actually found there are more opportunity meeting people virtually, you know, kind of like how we met, uh, Yusuf, you know, if we're in person, we might not have met. But then now, if you think of it, you know, people are actually wanted to draw to you for the messages or, uh, you know, learn more about your personality uh, through virtual connection. So I think uh, for me as a salesperson, uh, I am able to network with other people. And because we all now are very comfortable using online meeting platform, we all have a camera and we, you know, a lot of us have uh, a decent microphone. So I think my network is actually expanded for the past two years, if you were agree uh, with me. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I don't think I would have met you, you know, before, before any of this happened, right? But because, yeah, of course, so much people to go virtual, I think that, you know, because human beings were sociable, so we, we want to meet people, and especially if they're like-minded, then, you know, you gravitate more towards them, right? So 
Yeah, I think that's a good approach there. And you made some uh, valid points. When you were starting out in your business journey, right? What were you, what would you say were some of the things that helped you navigate the challenges and how, like, and what were some of the things that you learned to kind of help you, I guess, excel in business and be in the position that you're in today? So let me take you all the way back to the beginning, right? I got to tell you this story, how I started my first business. So on the day of my honeymoon, I actually found out that the company that I worked for at the time went out of business. So I just got married, happy to have a wife, and then there's no job, right? So I still had a good time during my honeymoon. But then when I come back, I said, what can I really do at the time uh, when I started the company? There's no credibility. You know, I'm still in my early mid 20s. So people can really build the trust on trusting you when you're younger. And unfortunately, that's, you know, a lot of times, at least for me, that's the case. So I made a lot of mistakes. And I decided I need to cold call a lot of people. So uh, at that time, I'm in the CD DVD replication business. So I'm in Los Angeles. So I uh, got a list of all the record label all the film company in Los Angeles. And if you are listed as a record company or film company, I have called you at at one point. So I actually trained myself to be good at at co-calling and sales call and how to grab people's attention, you know, in 10 or five seconds. So I get decent with that. And I think that's how I'm able to build, I guess, to push out my own self to be out there because I, in my personal life, I'm a really quiet person, but then I know in business, you got to speak up, you know, you got to speak and communicate right to your point or your uh, persuasive standpoint of why and how people can use your product and services. It's kind of interesting, like, because similar to you, like I'm kind of an introverted person. So it's kind of weird, like, okay, I have a podcast communicating with people, but I think in life, you have to have that balance, right? In terms of being able to communicate effectively. So how would you say, so comparing your time when you were cold calling to now where you have a business and you're going out there networking, right? So, I mean, if you can kind of talk about like compare and contrast a little bit, like how effective, like how effective it is to like network and have those relationships as opposed to like having to cold call or cold email in some instances. I think over the year, I found that, you know, the, I, I have to be true to myself. I'm not going to pretend someone that I'm not when I'm in business or when I'm in my personal life. But then what I found have worked for me is, you know, this is a skill that you can practice, you know, getting into business, you know, getting into entrepreneurship. It's definitely something that you could practice on. And the more books you read about it, maybe you listen to uh, use your podcast, and then just to find ways to improve just one little things every single day. As you know, at, at analogy in, in workout, you know, you don't go into gym one day and pick up 400 pounds, it might take years of practice. But then if you work on this slowly, and don't jump to 400 pounds in the first day, you're going to hurt yourself. But then slowly, steadily, there is some day, some chance that you might be able to pick those ways up. So it's the same with business. Do you set goals, uh, find out how exactly you can get there, and then you just get on it and work on it every single day. I think even the goal setting part is very important, like, you know, having a specific target of what you want to do. And then you kind of come up with a plan uh, to reach towards that, right? No, I, I totally agree with you because I think uh, 
I would suggest set different goals. Set goals that is really high, that if you, for some way, you got lucky, you can reach that, that that will be your ultimate goal. But do set smaller goals that you can reach pretty easy if you know that you, you know that you can reach it if you put your work on it. So then you, you want to celebrate every time that you hit your milestone, then you are you're building confidence for yourself. Because if, if you set a goal that's really too far, maybe you can do that in 10 years. But what are you going to do within year one to year nine? So you might get discouraged. But if you set smaller goals that you know that, you know, if I work on it for two months, I know I can get it. So then you celebrate and you get better and you get more confident. That's when you are able to make those you know, big jumps that sometimes we, that we can do. No, definitely agreed. Since we're on the topic of uh, entrepreneurship and you mentioned like, you know, people who are starting out, right? So with your experience, I'm sure like you know this, when it comes to things such as marketing, which is one of your uh, specialties, uh, it's very essential to businesses, but it's also a very difficult part that many people struggle with, right? What are some of the ways that people can learn to become more effective at marketing and what uh, tips could you give them? Oh, that's a big question, right? And I, I, and I like that, you know, because there's a lot of ways that we can do and there's no right or wrong. But then if you want, want me to focus on one point that I would like to encourage everyone to think about is to identify your target market before you even think about uh, marketing. Because if we are talking to small business or startup business, you know, the, that means some, for a lot of us, our resources is limited. You know, even for big company, they know who, are, who they are targeting. So you won't see a luxury brand to advertise in Walmart, for example. And you won't see McDonald's ad in, let's say, you know, high class uh, avenue. So they know where they are. So ask yourself with your product and service and be honest to yourself and make notes. Write down as many details as possible. With your product and service, who are most likely going to be response to? You know, what kind of people are they? You know, is it gender or is it the, the income level or is it the title that they have in the company or is it geographical or is it, uh, do they have a certain skills that, you know, they need to do to use your product? So list them all down and then those will be your target audience. So these are the ones that you actually spend your most time to focus on and to engage with them. And don't, you know, the, the things that I always say to my customer when they come to me, I ask them, uh, you buying from us? Like, who are you trying to target? Uh, you know what they say all the time? They say, I wanted to get everybody. Everyone should have my pant. Everyone should have my t-shirt. But then you know that we don't have a limited budget. That's no budget that is for everyone. You need to be focused. You, need, you Don't be afraid to go to a niche market. The more that you can tell me about who you're targeting, who they are, what do they like to do? Because I, I have access to over 10,000 10, different items. So I can help you narrow down the search. Imagine I give you something that you like, you really can respond to compared to if I, you know, if it's just walk by, I give you a pen. How, how would you respond to that? How would everyone respond to that? Because we want to be, we're in a time that we want it to be personalized. We want to be unique, right? We don't just want to look like everybody. So that's something that I could notice that, you know, but then when we, when we sometimes do marketing, a lot of people want to target everybody. Yeah, and that's something that you do hear a lot. Like you hear people say something like, oh, like especially like in the early, in the early stages. And I was even kind of guilty of it myself too. It's like, well, I want everybody. Like, and it's like, as nice as that sounds and as great as it would be, everything is not for everyone, right? 
So it would be more effective if you know who it's for and then you gear it towards them as opposed to just something as vague as everyone because it's so there's so much different layers to it, right? Yeah, it, it goes deeper. For example, if I give you everyone, do you want to do you really want to work with everyone? So I don't really care what type of business that you're in. There are customers that you are happy with once you finish your job for them. You know, I wish I would have more people like that. But then there are some clients that say, I, I never want to work with these type of people again. It just drives me nuts. So really, you don't want to work with everyone. So if you can identify your uh, happy client, I would call it, you know, the ones that you enjoy work with the most, who are they? You know, why are they purchase from you? Why are they happy with your service? So if you can, you know, clone this type of client, that means that you can have your perfect client every single time. Wouldn't that be more effective than you go with someone that might hate your service, but then order with you anyway, and then you get stuck into a big hole and then end up both sides are not happy? You know, which way would you want to pick? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think when you are working with people that enjoy your service and they enjoy what you do, it also can create a word of mouth effect as well, which sometimes I think we can underestimate how impactful it can be in business. So is that something that you uh, could speak towards, you know, the, like the impact of word of mouth and how it can, you know, positively impact the business? Yeah, I love talk, talking about that. That's one of my favorite topics, because especially, again, going back to a lot of business uh, that I work with, they will spend a lot of money acquiring a customer. They buy Google ads, they pay for advertisement, you know, they go on a lot of different, uh, different ways to attract a client. But once the client purchased from them, and I ask them a lot of times, how much do you spend on retaining a client? You know, for example, how much time or money do you spend? Make sure that they order from you again. A lot of time is zero. You know, they don't spend any money after they uh, purchase or order from you. Uh, you don't hear from them again. So, but think about that. It's a lot easier to have a customer who ordered from you before to give you a repeat order. You know, it might not be today or tomorrow, but then they already know who you are. They use your product and services. So how can you, you know, think of a, a campaign or effort to have them talk about you to their friends and families or colleagues about your product and services, or just as simple as uh, give you a review on Yelp or Google uh, My Business. How would that affect your business? How would that increase your credibility and word of mouth uh, effectiveness on your business? So uh, I would encourage everyone listening to think about that. You're definitely giving them a lot of information to think about and things that they can actually apply. And yeah, no, definitely what you're saying makes a complete sense there because we're talking about like users and customers, right? So for someone that is starting out who wants to know about how they can identify their target customer so they can hopefully become these ideal customers like you were discussing, uh, what are some steps that they can take to create like an effective, I guess, customer profile that would help them attract that right demographic? That, that, that's a great question. And I, I would like to spend some time on answering that. So imagine you just started out, you have zero customer, let's assume you have zero customer. So I would even say, dream about your service, your product, what would be an excellent client for it? 
you know, someone that would spend the most money or you can make the most profit from the transaction, you know, write down details, you know, what kind of income level, again, grow through the list again, gender, uh, title, or where, and then ask yourself, uh, these people, where would they hang out digitally? You know, what kind of websites would they go to? Or do they listen to blogs? And what kind of blogs will resonate with them? Uh, or what kind of magazines would they read? Or do they hang out on LinkedIn, uh, Pinterest, or TikTok? You know, where are they on digitally? So that's where you want to be. So if you identify, for example, that they listen to podcasts, then you're going to be a guest on the, uh, the people that influence them's podcast, you know, be uh, available to the media that they're responding to. That's how you can build your trustworthiness. You know, give you an example for anyone that are listening. I'll give you, I'm going to give you a few industry. Can anyone name three company in the promotional product industry? I, I know that like <laughs> nobody can. Can anyone name five doctors? I'm eliminating Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, and uh, Dr. Fauci. Can you name five doctors? So the, the goal that you are is in front of your target audience. You wanted to be the go-to expert in your industry. So if you can name five doctors, except the very famous one, that means that there are room for us to grow. There are room for us to get in. So imagine you are the go-to expert when I uh, say, coffee, when I say basketball, when I say, uh, you know, politician, we already have a person in mind, right? Whoever that you are, you know, wherever that you're listening to, why do they become the status that they do is because they are always showing up at the uh, digital news outlet, or the content that you assume, so they becomes the go to person in that particular field. It's your it's your job as a marketer to be that expert. So whenever people talk about your particular industry, then you'll be the person that people will go to and reach out to. Yeah, that's very uh, detailed. And I'll, as you were like, kind of like, as you were explaining that, I was kind of having a memory of like back when I was an undergrad and I was uh, blogging. This was about seven years ago. And I was doing some blogging at that time with just like a small startup company. And then, <laughs> I remember like the team was very small. So there's times where I was going out there trying to find advertisers and make sales. And I was trying to explain to them that when it comes to things like marketing, it's about the brand awareness, right? You just want to get people to see it. So you want to make sure that you're in a space where the people who are more likely to buy from you or could potentially buy from you are actually seeing it, right? So it's the planting of the seed. So as you're answering that, that thought came to my mind. Yeah, because if you think about it, if I put it that way, then, you know, I think there's, it's easier to understand that concept because whoever that you think you are, do people really know you? Chances are you might not, even for doctors, you know, we all have a primary doctor, but that's about it. So how would you find out, you know, and learn when you get information? Because, you know, the more that you show up, you don't have to be the top expert, but then at least people know who you are. You become, you know, someone they, they reach out to. Would that, you think that would be helpful for, I would, I would say it is for any type of business that yeah, we are in. You, especially now with the way business has really moved more virtual and a lot of it is online, right? That, that has opened up a whole new door of opportunity, but it also has like its own set of challenges as well, right? So with you, you know, specializing in sales and marketing and branding and 
promotion. How do you create that way to kind of separate yourself from all of the other people out there who claim that they can do the same thing? Well, I think one of the things that we are able to help our client is we make a bigger pro a big problem a smaller problem. And some company they make it the other way. They make small problem they amplify it to be a big mess. So, how can I be more effective for when helping my client? Uh, gone are the days that we have to have all the decision maker in one room, right? To have a big meeting. Now we can just hop on Zoom wherever that you are in the world. We determine a time and then we can meet. And I don't need to pay attention to all the papers that I have. All I have to do is I share my screen. So I'm, I'm more effective. All my files are on my computer. All the pictures that I have to show, all the slides that I have to show are on my computer. So you got to practice your presentation pattern. You, you got to think about your target audience, not the information that you want them to know. Is think about on their point of view, what kind of information would they need to learn about your product and services to make that decision. So by going virtually, I think that my horizons are bigger. I'm able to connect with people that are out of the country, even in different time zone, you know, we can work it out. So I think on my end, I'm actually embracing the uh, technology changes that we have. And I think this is here to stay. I kind of want to touch on something that you mentioned there because you mentioned a lot about the communication aspect of it right so it makes me think about that word engagement and i'm not talking about marrying someone but business engagement where it's i think a cornerstone of it and i'm hoping you can touch on this more but like engaging with the stakeholders you know if there are any or engaging with the customers like how critical is engagement when it comes to operating a business? Well, I, I think it's crucial. And going back to the customer retention uh, piece. So what I do uh, on every job that I finish for a client, within a week, I would send them an email to check in uh, to make sure that everything was done correctly. You know, I make sure that they're happy with the process. Sometimes they will tell me that, you know, they want something to be improved. And this is the time that I don't want to get defensive and just shut up and listen. So really, they're giving you uh, really valuable input a lot of times to improve your process, maybe even improve your services, right, that you could do, you could get them in. You know, a lot of companies, they pay a lot of money just to service people, but these are actually your paying customers. So you got to make sure that you li listen and improve on. And then what I would do afterwards, if I know that they're happy with what we have done, I will actually ask them, do you think there are uh, any introductions for families or colleagues that you can uh, connect me with? And then use LinkedIn as your, your resource. So if they are a bigger company, are there other departments that might be able to use your services? So you want to be helpful too and do your homework. Can you introduce me to John and uh, Susan at the HR department? So I think that what I do can help them. So chances are they are already talking. They know maybe they sit next to them. So they, the paying client actually are doing all the introduction for you. and they probably will see the product and services that you might have done for their colleague. So I think this way, it doesn't really cost anything, right? You know, it's just you, you being a, a right representative for your company to check in and uh, 
think about your own buying experience when uh, everyone's listening. When is the last time any company call you and ask for your feedback? Almost never. Yeah, it's true. Like a lot of times, like now it's uh, like when you see it on your receipt, it's like all the way at the bottom. Like, oh, you can get this. You can have a chance to win this if you take this quick survey online, right? But it's never, I think, yeah, that thing where they actually call you, reach out to you, I don't, it rarely, if ever, happens. Yeah, and you can ask them specific questions too. So, you know, again, if we are just starting out, then you want to find out, don't you want to find out why people purchase from you? I think that's a very important. Is it because of price or is it because of the way you talk or is it because the way that you are unique with your product and services? Don't you want to find out uh, surveys, you know, we, we all get tired of surveys, right? You know, if I know that there's like a $10 Starbucks gift card, sometimes I'm cheap. I just fill it out to get the, 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 you know, the gift card. I'm not really helping them, right? They're just asking me generic service level question. Don't be afraid to go deeper. Like keep it short. Don't, don't drag on the meeting. Maybe, you know, a few questions that you think is relevant that you really do want to know from your buying uh, customers. Why did they purchase from you? And, or, how did they find out about your product and services? So the more that you can find out, the more conversations that you have, then you can improve. If everyone is finding you, let's say in the local newspaper at the opinion section, that's where you want to be. If everyone is listening uh, about your specific message in podcast, that's where you want to be. So I think these kind of conversation is what you want to have. And, you know, really there's not really a lot of cost to it, but then just to check in and, have that open communication with your customers. I would agree because the thing with these surveys is it can identify areas where you need to improve, but it'll also tell you, it'll also identify your strengths. So you can focus more on your strengths while finding, you know, ways to improve in the other things, right? So the more information you can get, the better. And, you know, I always kind of say this to like my friends, but a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So don't be afraid to ask, like, hey, if you know anyone else that's, that may be interested in my product or my service, you know, let them know. It doesn't cost them anything to just tell a friend, like, oh, hey, you know, this person did this for me and, you know, this company did this, here's their information. It, it only helps to do that. So why not do it? <laughs> yeah, do you know what my sales coach told me about what's the second favorite work of a salesperson? No, what is it? It's no. You know, obviously, we want a yes, right? We want people to commit. But then if you tell me no in the beginning of a conversation that you're not interested, that's actually helping me. I'm sure that everyone has the experience that, you know, a client or prospect drag you on for a long time, and then you didn't really know you're checking in, but then they are undecided. So don't you rather to have a quick answer that they're not committed, they're not interested, and then you can move on? So I think the, the second most favorite word that everyone should have is a no. Like if you call for a feedback, they tell you no, and that's fine. You know, be ready for it. So I think, you know, that goes back to uh, the beginning when I do the sales call. Sometimes they will tell me no, that sometimes they will hang up. Uh, expect that. So then you have the right mindset when you are making those calls. Sometimes it's, you know, kind of nervous, right? You're stressful. But then knowing that the worst they can say is a no, and you're, you're on the right path. And it's true. I think we have such a fear of that word no because like we equate it to failure but it's not a failure maybe it's just not the right time and you know or maybe they're just not interested either way it's okay right because they're telling you no up front that gives you more time to find the right customer the right buyer and put yourself in the right position to sell to someone that is interested 
So yeah, there, there, it could be worse, right? They could be, you know, just shopping around and they waste your time and doing an estimate, or you have to do some type of proposal that wastes your time. And at the end, you know, there's really no chance that you're getting that job, but then you're spending five, 10 hours into it, then you would just rather get a quick no, we're not interested, then would you rather to have that than to drag your, you know, drag yourself hoping for the right time, but then in the end, it's, it's never going to be a yes. Yeah. And I think sales is, is a good experience, especially when you're getting into entrepreneurship, because it helps you build that uh, resiliency, that not getting discouraged after the first no, and to just keep pressing and moving forward and believing in what you're selling. So yeah, it gets better. Uh, that's why you need practice. You know, so I think it, I, I was lucky to be able to make those sales calls in the beginning because it helped me overcome my fear because when a hundred people told you no, then you get better. So you get, you get to accept that no means no, that, you know, that's it. So with all your experience and everything that you've accomplished to get to this point, right? Like you've mentioned, it's been about a 20 year journey. So if you feel comfortable, you know, sharing some of those, I don't want to use the word failures, but some of those early struggles that kind of helped mold you and shape you into the entrepreneur that you are today. Well, I think I'm still learning every day, but I do think that when you are communicating with your client, then you wanted to listen more and talk less and think about the right question to ask them to keep it open-ended. Let them tell you their problem and not what kind of benefit and feature of your product and services that you help them. Because the more you know about your client's problem and pain, the better in your mind that you can help them. Because if, if you are dominating the conversation 90% of the time and you don't let them really talk, then you accomplish nothing. But then think about that. If 90% of the time their prospect is talking about their challenges, their needs, then you take notes. A lot of time when we face with a, what we call a high maintenance client, we don't like that. But I love high maintenance client because why? They will let you know exactly these are my requirements. This is the color I want. This is the way that I want to do it. This is how I want to do it. They actually tell you all the things that needs to be done. If you're able to meet every single item that they have, then you probably have a client for life. Then versus someone that, yeah, show me something, show me something, give me a proposal. If I like it, I'll buy it. Which way do you want to run a pick? So it's, I'm still working on that myself, but I would rather have a high demanding, high maintenance client, then someone just show me something, just, you know, if I like it, I'll buy it. Uh, so I think that probably was my, my take on, you know, helping each other uh, grow in, in the journey. In this part of the podcast, I like to call it open floor. So basically at the time, it's all yours. If there's anything that you want to communicate or anything that you want to discuss or put out there to the audience. Okay. Thank you for the opportunity, Yusef. So I think one way that we could build on, and even if you're a small micro brand, you know, you still wanted to worry about and think about your branding because there are brands that we are passionate about. There are things that we're really tied onto. Maybe there's a certain brand of jacket that you only wear. Maybe there's a certain type of milk that you only drink. Why did they become the brand that you go for? Is because you, you might believe in the story or you might believe in how they uh, made their product. So as a small micro company or even a startup, how can you make the connection with the people? Is you, can, you, you have to tell them the value that you are. 
you have to connect with the audience. Going back to all the conversation that we have, you know, meet them where they want it to be. If they're on Discord, if they're on text, if they're on TikTok, that's where you want to be and you want to build a community. People want to be a sent, they, they want it to feel they're part of the community. Sometimes when people say bad things about a certain brand, the brand itself doesn't have to come out. All the supporter of the brand actually explaining all the items. There are different forums that people are really helpful to guide you through all the uh, process or problems that you have. You know, think about what you can do to create communities like that. And what I like to do, and that's how sometimes I help my client is, how can we turn all our customers into mini advocates? What does that mean? We all have a cell phone. We all have a social media account. We all have center of influence for at least, you know, even I have influence of at least 10 people. These are people maybe in my family, my wife, my kids. So I can influence those people. With our cell phone, with social media, with our followers, right? You know, we can influence people. Don't you think that if your brand can connect with these people and make them like you enough that they share your product and services on their social media, you know, they start talking about your brand, how much would you pay for this, you know, services? How much would you pay for this influencer? Just not much, but just becoming and media advocates, if they like your brand enough, this is something that they would do even with you, uh, without you telling them. So this is some of the goals that I would encourage everyone to think about and to work on. It doesn't have to cost much. It just do sometimes just showing them that they care at that phone call and let them know that where they can share your information. And then maybe if you are uh, wanted to help, give them paragraph, give them links, give them picture that they could share. You know, you'll be surprised, you know, the reach that you're able to grow out just because you let your customer know that you care for them. It goes back to the saying, a closed mouth doesn't get fed, right? But I think as a brand, you should want to strive to have something that, you know, people can get behind. And you want to kind of encourage a culture of them advocating for you and them wanting to be engaged, right? Like you look at something like the iPhone, like it's a whole culture now, <laughs> like it, it, it's become a movement in and of itself, right? So I think there's nothing wrong with, I think, doing like you're suggesting, creating many advocates. I, I would say even something that not as big, right? Something that, you know, what some, some people would call weird. You know, if you're weird enough, there's actually millions of people will follow you. Yeah. So for example, uh, I read a book called uh, The Way of the Iceman. You know, he talked about uh, doing a old cold water bath every single day. So if you haven't done it, people, if you tell people about it, they'll think you're crazy. But there's a whole community just going out there, being cold, being crazy, and taking ice bath in, you know, crazy winter weather. So this is something that they want to do. There's The world is big enough. There's actually a lot of followers behind this method. Just because you think you're unique, you're weird, you're obscure, doesn't mean that with the world that we live in right now, maybe some people across the world are dying to have this conversation. So you just have to, it's your job to find out where they are and to meet them and to express your message and, you know, then people will follow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think the internet, like it's, there's so much communities for everything now. Like you go on Reddit, there's a forum for everything. I think you gave a lot of great information on how people can kind of, you know, get started on their journey. Uh, a lot of things to think about. And yeah, just, you know, find your tribe and really just find your tribe, see where in the internet they hang out and try to connect and communicate with them. Do you have like any social media where people can find you? How can they connect with you? 
Well, I love networking. So definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search my name, Swire Ho, and reach out to me. And if you wanted to find out more about what we do in business, just go to our website at garudapromo.com. It's G-A-R-U-D-A promo.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and I'll also include all all the all those links into the description of this episode. But yeah, you know, I think you're a great guy that people can connect with. I think you bring a lot of value. I think you bring a lot of great information. Any last minute things that you want to plug as well? Well, I mean, practice, you know, start, you know, doing things that you know, you know would help your company. And it, remember, it's not a overtime success. If you are, you, you know, you're lucky, right? But then for all of us models, uh, you just practice. It's maybe you can do it in one day. Can you do it in 10 days or can you do it in one year? So if you keep on working and uh, perfecting your craft, and then success will be there waiting for you. Yeah, perfect. I think that's the perfect note to end on. Okay, Swire, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for the opportunity, Yusuf. Thank you for listening to the Wire to Wire podcast. Be sure to share and subscribe. You can also check out all of my books, including my latest one, Quarantine Dots, available at all major retailers. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yusuf underscore A official. Until next time.